When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, this is the Knapsack Files. I've got Knapsack. we got a great interview coming up. Recording artist Jared Griffin of the band Rillian, a now fully functional band that used to be also just him and great guy. We've uh, met through a shared love of Star Wars. He appeared on Force Center, and we're going to have a, well, I was going to say sit down. I guess we both were sitting down, but it was over the phone as, as he's out in Florida, and that's coming up. We talk about a lot of things, including Jesus, Weezer, and 90s rock and roll, baby. All things I love. How are you all doing here? I am excited to announce. I gotta get them in my hand. This is an audio-only podcast, but it doesn't matter. Let's get these in my hand right now. Ken, what are you holding in your hand? I am holding the first batch. Can you hear that? Well, the music's playing. Ken, turn down the music. Maybe we can hear it. I'm holding the first batch. There's a little scratchy, scratchy. Of Ken Knapsack, Knapsack Files, trading cards. I'm gonna set a four. Got a set of four little trading cards designed by my pal Brian Ward. You are familiar with a lot of his work if you've watched the movie Trivia Schmodown or just a lot of other shows around the biz. And I have got a set of four Knapsack Files trading cards. Uh, there's, uh, they all pay homage to the great baseball cards of the past. And I'll tell you what, Brian is just a great card designer and it's kind of a little passion of his maybe a, a career that should have been if he was coming up in the 90s or 80s there in the glory days of baseball cards brian and i both love baseball cards and we had done uh, some collector cards for four center if you're a four center fan and haven't picked those up they're through our patreon page at the top tier these ones are going to be available for purchase which is uh, a term i love because they use it on airlines we have peanuts we have for free we have uh, sodas for free. We have bad veggie wraps available for purchase. These are going to be available for purchase through my website, kennapsuck.com. Uh, and trust me, it works. I've, 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 it, it's, I'm tr- trying to figure it out. <laughs> I got to get that store up and run. It's up and running. You can order a copy of my book. I got book plates up there now. Uh, that's coming, um, where you can order uh, a little sticker for me to sign and personalized and send that out to you. You can slap it inside your copy of why we love Star Wars, and I'll be offering a bonus little keychain with them. Uh, a lot of things on the website there. Um, uh, collector posters of the uh, the alternate uh, cover of why we love Star Wars. Uh, but I got these cards, man. I'm I'm excited. I've always wanted to be on trading cards. You guys know that. I want to be a ball player, and I got these cards in my hand that sound that's the sound of trading cards set of four available do you need a set of four of, of my uh you know my face on cards not, eh, you know not really but you, you should want them you should because you ever want to know what i'd be like as a diamond king remember the donruss diamond kings we got that and they're two-sided oh there's stuff on the back there's some stats on the back 
Don't you worry. I want to do more of these. Love them. So thanks to Brian Ward. Uh, they're up. At the time uh, this episode's out, if I've done my job, you'll be able to go to the Kidnap Suck shop and see it. <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, it actually worked. If I failed and I watched too many episodes of Ghost Adventures, uh, it's not up. Uh, hopefully I haven't failed. And this is weird. I am pre-recording. Uh, so the interview is obviously in Appsock Files. We generally uh, all pre-recorded, sometimes way in advance, sometimes the day before. This uh, this episode with uh, Jared Avillian was uh, recorded uh, last week. But what's really cool is I am uh, pre-recording this intro. So the world could completely have changed by uh, the time this hits uh, and this intro is nothing. I, I like doing these intros a little closer to the show. But I'm gone. I'm out of town. Impromptu. Let's do it, not care, trip to Las Vegas. Uh, Grace and I going out to see the haunted museum, haunted, uh, little, uh, haunted, uh, well, it's not a mansion, museum, it's a house, but it is a museum, an actual museum of weird, paranormal, haunted, allegedly items put on by Zach Baggins of the Ghost Adventures show. We're obsessed with that show. Is it a great show? Well, yeah, it is. Is it silly? Well, yeah, very silly. Do I believe everything on it? You tell me, but we become obsessed with it and we're going out as one of those things. Both of us working hard, very hard lately. And when I say lately, I mean like last 10 years, 20. Uh, I've been in town 21 years. There's at least eight years I didn't work hard, sporadically dispersed throughout the time I've been here. Grace works really hard. It's just one of those things. We're not going, you know, we're not taking, taking a cruise. We're just driving out to Vegas and we're going to have fun. We're going to take some time off uh, from the grind. And I think that's something you all need to do. You listening right now. You don't think it. You need to take some time off. Can't afford it. That's fine. Take an afternoon and go to a park. I can't afford picnic food. That's why there's 7-Eleven. Talking about it on a recent episode of the afternoons. Those one sandwiches now that come in plastic containers that you can flip the lids and you got a little you got a little uh, little uh, sandwich plate like a like a sandwich pedestal so you can worship the sandwich before you. No one should put a sandwich before thy God, right? But do it. Go to Seven Eleven. Take the time, even if it is. You know what? I am home from work. And I'm going to go for a walk. You guys know I love I talk about on, on walks on Knapsack Files. I've been talking about that since the dawn of time of, of this podcast, at least. Go take a walk. Take a moment for yourself. I was talking with a good friend of mine. He's just, he's, he's got, I think I'm, I'm joking a little bit. But he's got enough vacation time that I think he could take it. If, if he could take all the vacation time in a row, he'd be like gone from work for three months. Yeah, all right. That's a lot. That's a lot. But really, uh, I really... Uh, feel the pain in his voice. He works so damn hard, but he feels he can't take a day off. And I understand that feeling. When I was working as a security director, my job was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, especially during the holidays. The only time I was off the hook completely were two times that I was in the hospital. And that was actually in 2006 in August and then again in September. Every other time, I don't care what vacation, there'd be schmoes trips to Comic-Con where I'd be outside of Hall H on a phone call with an employee or a vice president dealing with some problems back at the mall. And I understand it. You feel like you can't do it. 
Uh, you can't take time off, but uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling my friend, find the time. Find the time. Even if it's a little change in routine, take it to half day. Take a little longer in the morning. Hell, sleep in one morning when you normally don't. Do it. And that's what Grace and I are going to be doing. Uh, time you're listening to this, we are uh, cruising around Las Vegas. And you guys know I love Las Vegas. I don't know. I don't get why. I don't get why. I'll say this. Like, I mean, I went there. First time I went to Vegas. I think it was 16, 17. Visited my friend out there, Sean. But that was different, you know. We went to places, but I was too young to really, you know, to enjoy it. It was just kind of... I like, whoa, Las Vegas. Then I went later on as an adult. And like, it was like, it was not, I want something that I just thought to, hey, let's do it. Like my friend Brian was like, getting, we're this weekend, what are you doing this weekend? Take a day off from work. We're going to Vegas. Okay. I was, I, we, we can actually do that. We can take vacations. Yes, we're adults. And he was about eight years older than me. But yes, he was like, yes, this is what we can do. You and I are friends. Don't worry. I'll get the rooms. Let's go have some fun. And I think that's, it was like this, weird connections whenever i think of las vegas i think of me in my late 20s going oh i can take time off i can go do things i don't have to wait for family vacations i get to choose what to do this is good and i think there's a weird kind of and this is someone i'm in my 40s now like 20 years ago I'm telling you to the young folk out there we always say and 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 rillian uh jared of rillian uh uh, we talk um, talk about in the interview you're about to hear. Adulthood is just realizing that you're you're sometimes faking it, faking it till you make it. All stuff. I I still even in my forties when I think of going to Las Vegas, I think of that's right. I can choose to do things and don't have to tell anyone. I can get I can get golden grams and have it for breakfast and dinner. And I think there's this weird emotional connection to Las Vegas because I, I don't do a lot of crazy things. I go there once a year for the the Cauliflower Alley Wrestling Reunion uh, event. It's I don't go crazy. I'm not a super big gambler, not a super big Vegas partier. I might have been to a, a couple of cl- clubs that encourage gentleman-like behavior. Uh, even that's not my favorite thing. I just love the people watching. I don't go to a ton of fancy dinners. You to, I used to have this thing. My first three or four trips to Vegas, it was like, guys, uh, anyone who was with me, guys, uh, uh, I got a tradition I like to do. I like to go to Ruth Chris on the first night I'm in town and get a nice meal and start everything right. Which, by the way, is, is great. You feel like you're in Ocean's Eleven, right? Uh, and more the Brat Pack version. And uh, yeah, the, after a while, just uh, going to McDonald's across from the old Riviera spots, just as important. Uh, I love traditions. I have things I do in Vegas, but it, none of that matters. And that was me trying to be like, I'm in Vegas. I must do as uh, the glitterati of the world do. It's, just, it's, not, it's not needed. That's not needed. Go have a good time. I love it. People watch it extraordinaire. I don't know what we're going to go to this thing. And after that, and that's the thing. I'm not planning anything. This is how much of a vacation it is. We're just going. Just driving, getting there, checking in, going. We've got the museums, the only thing we know we're doing. We're getting out of town. Can I afford it? I don't care. That's what you got to do in life. 
That's what you get. I always say, I am not going to be on my deathbed. And this has gotten me in probably more trouble than it's worth. But I'm not going to be on my deathbed going, I'm glad I paid that bill. I'm going to go have some fun. And you're listening to this episode while I am relaxing. And I encourage you to relax as well. Also want to give a big thanks to all of you who are on Patreon and have made these uh things like these cards and those other stuff possible. And I want to thank my executive producing tier, which is uh, Thomas Rizzling, Lethal Logan X, who I go to Vegas with every year, uh, Matthew Simon, Bador, Matt Thompson, Tamor, Abdul, and Rafi, uh, Rafi, excuse me, the Buddha brothers, Donald Long, Nathan Ovendale, Zach Anderson, and Ty Schallenberger, who I've not been to Vegas with, though we're, we're good friends. I'm trying to think. No. No. Ty, Ty's a friend of mine that I think I would go to Vegas, and we should, but we never did. Hmm. Okay, Ty, we got to work on that. Thanks for your support. That's the high-tier supporters on my Patreon page. You can support it at patreon.com slash Knapsack. We just launched the Inside Why We Love Star Wars series. It's coming uh, very soon, though I'll tell you what, this month already, getting, you know, time is stupid. Time is stupid, isn't it? It's already 2032. Plan accordingly. That's all I'm saying. Plan accordingly. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, on the phone, will be Jared Griffin of the band Rillion. we got a lot of cool things to talk about. Uh, we have a lot of things in, in common. Star Wars, upbringing, music tastes. Except for I play one instrument, he plays many. That is coming up here on the Knapsack Files. Stick around. We'll be right back. Files fans, we're still live here in Burbank, and through the power and the magic of the Roadcaster Pro, I have on the phone a bona fide rock star, a singer-songwriter, a Star Wars fan who I've interviewed over on Force Center, but it was time to bring him here on the Knapsack Files. Colin from, I do believe, Florida. We won't give away his exact location because, you know, rock stars these days when they're fans. It's Jared Griffin from the band Rillion. Hey, Jared, how you doing? Hey, man, how's it going? It's good to have you here and talk. Thanks uh, for having me back on. Oh well, hey, and you're making your Knapsack Files de- debut, and I'm, yeah, sure. I, um, you know, I'm teasing. I'm, uh, I'm teasing a little bit with the Rockstar thing. I do that with my buddy Van William, uh, who is a recording <laughs> artist as well. Because I'll start from there, man. I am one of those kids that grew up wishing, hoping, dreaming that I could become a rock star one day, and I did learn to play the tambourine. Um, where did your dreams start, man? And 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 this 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 playing music as a as a a passion, as a hobby, and then a career too, as well. And I know you do a lot of things in your life, but this is a big part of it. Yeah, um, my dad was my dad's also a drummer and a musician. He plays. He's a multi instrument, uh, multi instrumentalist like I am. Yeah. Um, but he got me started in I think like '85. Mm. Um, he gave me the Beach Boys Greatest Hits tape. And I wore that thing out so bad that you couldn't even read the writing on the, on the tape anymore. (laughs) And I was just obsessed with it. A good cassette tape, man. (laughs) I know I'm aging myself very badly. Nah, You and me both. A good cassette (laughs) tape can change the world, man. 
That's true. <laughs> it definitely changed mine because I was blown away like yeah. five years old. Five, yeah, that's wow. That's 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 interesting. You know, I always say my dad introduced my my dad put a microphone in my hand and started recording shows with me, and he didn't even know what he was doing, and that wasn't his career. <laughs> and I was two or three, four, five when I was doing that. So, man, your dad being a musician was this kind of like, look, kid, gather around. I'm going to give you the good stuff. Pretty much, he he got me that. He gave me, um, I think it was an old Toto album, the one that has Rosanna and Africa on it. Yes. Uh, so I wore that out. Um, there was Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Everybody which is still does. my favorite song. That's oh so, really nice. Yeah, it's my favorite song of all time. It's so perfect. It's underrated, you know why? Because I'll tell you what, it, it, this conversation is going to go all over the place once you get me talking about music, which is interesting because again, I only play a tambourine. Same here. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's it, something, though. Hey, you know, it's good for Liam Gallagher. It's good for me. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Tears for Fears. Everyone wants to rule the world. I always thought that's a, a tremendously great song, and I think that sometimes. Uh, the sound of the 80s, especially the mid-80s, the synth, the guitars, all that stuff, can mm-hmm. maybe cause some of these songs to not be taken as seriously over the course of time. But that's a great yeah. song. Oh, I, I think it still holds up. And it's got it, the message is kind of the same as what we're dealing with today. Yes. <laughs> In today's climate. It's, yeah, that's very, yeah. Yeah, the 80s... We remember it as the Gordon Gecko, uh, everyone's uh, prospering in cocaine decade. But yeah, there was some stuff going on, and and uh, yeah, I was a little kid, so I didn't notice any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's like that. You know, I think it was uh, was it "Kissed by a Rose" that we've now learned it wasn't just a great Batman song; it's a song about yeah. drugs. And, I just heard about that the other day. Yeah. I, like that completely destroyed my childhood. <laughs> yes, but the, but but my buddy Lon Harris over at Screen Junkies tweeted out. He's like, I think uh, almost every song we've loved is about drugs at some point. <laughs> Yep. Um, I mean, the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I was a young kid. My parents were like, ah, I'm like, what is, what does this mean? Yeah. You know, they're just happy. Um, <laughs> stuff. So from there you're introduced to this and your dad, uh, was he playing in bands doing all that thing and you were just exposed to it and it's something you wanted to follow in just came naturally. Yeah. He, did. my dad played drums at the church we went to. Nice. So I grew up watching him play drums every Sunday. And then he also played trombone in a swing band. Uh, nice. like big band type music when I was probably around 10. So I was really like, I loved all that stuff too. I love big band music, like Glenn Miller and yeah. all that stuff. Oh, that's great stuff. Uh, if you go to the uh, uh, Cicada Club down downtown LA, it's known, as some people might know it as the, the, the famous pretty woman scene where uh, Julia Roberts tries to eat the escargot. That's the Cicada yeah. Club in the downtown. And yeah, they got some swing stuff going there and it, it transports you that's back. Awesome. A good stuff. Yeah, it's so cool. So you grew up with this, uh, you know, and you love Star Wars. You a lot of things. You're an '80s kid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, just because your your parents sit you down and say, "Here's what I do in an interest," it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the focus. Uh, when when did you decide? You know, I I, I got these skills. I'm going to put them to use. Um, when I was in high school, it's it's a pretty embarrassing story. But when I was no. in high school, I played I played trombone in marching band. Um, <laughs> Along with some other musicians from the Tampa area that are in huge bands now, which I will not name. Um, <laughs> we went to the same high school. <laughs> um, but I played trombone, and um, one, of the, one of the band members graduated and came back from college the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a year older than me. And he asked me if I wanted to play trombone in his ska band, which he had started yes. up with a few other guys from our school. 
So I started playing, my first concert of all time was playing trombone in a ska band. Get out of it. Christian ska band at that. <laughs> Christian ska band. And this is, this is what, right in the heart, mid nineties, right? This has got to be. This is 97. Uh, yeah. 97, right before 98. Yes. Dude, it was that, right when the whole third wave of ska was getting massive. Yes. Oh, Boston's uh, impression yep. that I gets the big single going around. Oh my yeah. God. Oh my yep. God. That's so funny. Yeah. We, so I was all about that stuff in, in high school, late high school years. Carrying on the, you know, the family legacy of the trombone. It'd <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be, be pretty good. Yep. I was still playing drums also at the same time. Cause I played yeah. it at church also. How does, so, you know, you and I have the same kind of upbringing. We, we talked about this before off air. Um, and we met, you know, you reached out, I, I love this story. You reached out to force and you had written some star Wars related songs. Star Wars was big in your life. And, and you said, Hey, it's got a nineties music vibe. And I'm like, I'm listening. I'm listening. Uh, so we've chatted, we, you, we have similar upbringing coming out of the church scene, which, uh, I don't say that with completely negative connotations, uh, uh, though there's some interesting things there. How do you go from there to being, into regular rock because you and I grew up in an era where like when Amy Grant switched sides, it was like, we cast this center out. <laughs> I totally remember that too. You, yeah, remember? <laughs> it was big. People were talking about it at my church. Oh, yeah. I remember adults going, Oh, Amy Grant has gone secular. What are we going to do? <laughs> it's, it's like, she just like took the Bible and like threw it in the garbage in front of a bunch of people or something. It's, yeah. it's just like, why is this such a big deal? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, Hey, look, Debbie Boone is my first concert ever. My mom and dad took me to see, you know, <laughs> you light up your life. I get it. But yeah. How, how did, how did, uh, did you ever have any issues with it? Did you, did you struggle with that kind of transition yourself? Uh, um, you know? yeah. My mom and dad didn't know what to do with me when I turned like 16 because I was always, a, I skateboarded all my life growing up. Right. Um, ever since I was like five, I've, I've been skateboarding. Um, so when I got in like super into punk rock and hardcore, they were freaked out of their minds. I started bleaching my hair, like pierced my ears, all that stuff. And I remember my grandfather told me that I was sinning because I had my hair dyed blonde. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought was hilarious. Yeah. But at the same time, I was listening to mostly Christian punk. Mm -hmm. Because it was the only thing I was pretty much allowed to buy. Right. Um, so when my mom and dad would go to work, I would put the VHS in the VHS player and I would tape MTV all day long. <laughs> and so when I got home from school, I would pop, pop the VHS in and watch it and skip through all the commercials. Yeah. And so that's how I got into like Weezer and Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and Foo Fighters and all those bands. That is a great shared experience, and I'm sure you and I are not the only ones of the <laughs> contraband MTV uh, and maybe occasionally even VH1 videos where, like, oh, yeah. the parents aren't home. I'm going to watch Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer again. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite songs from the 80s. Absolutely. My kids are obsessed with that song. They, they have a oh, dance party every time we put that video on. Nice. Passing it on. Yeah, that's so yeah. – that is that, that is the thing of just, like – I'd have a, I'd have about a half hour window and I was a, like a early teen and <laughs> mid teens. Mom's not home from work yet. I'm going to see if that yep. Madonna videos on. <laughs> <laughs> or for me, I, I was remember like, like, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I remember just vividly like watching naughty by nature <laughs> and Weezer like back to back because that's how it was in the nineties on MTV. Yeah. Like, it was everything mixed together and it was all awesome. I, I remember when uh, Prince's uh, video for cream started do, going into rotation and I, I yeah. always wanted, I hoped it would come on, but then I'd be like, I can't, this is, I can't do this. This is too much. 
I cannot watch this. I, I'm policing myself. Dirty, <laughs> dirty prince. Right Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. But yeah, it, it, it's weird because, uh, like I said, I, I, I have no problems with my upbringing and how it still fuels my life in, in little ways and different ways. And, and, mm-hmm. um, I, I know you might be, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but yeah, but it is a weird, and I didn't go to Christian schools. I went to public schools, but there's that weird kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm being cast outside because I was watching He-Man. <laughs> so yeah. you get a different perspective though, where you're like, all right, I understand maybe where you're coming from, but I also know myself and I think He-Man's doing okay by me. <laughs> like, oh, totally. It, I always felt like I was never Christian enough for the people I hung out with at church, Yeah, but I was never, I was too Christian to hang out with all of my like punk and skater friends. <sighs> Jared, I'm it was right, a very weird, very weird mixture. I'm I'm right there with you, and I still kind of carry that my way, where I'm probably too conservative for some of my friends, and I'm too liberal for the others, and yeah. <laughs> and it's a weird you got it's a weird delicate balance. But I think it makes you what I you know I'm not saying we're perfect. We're all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Prince and, and Cream videos. But um, <laughs> I, you know I think it's a good it's a good way to approach life. <laughs> well rounded, I, I think, think so. I, I think being balanced is, is a very, mm. very important thing for being a human, especially the older I get, the more I realize I make such a big deal out of like little things that are pointless all the time. And I'm trying mm. to rid myself of that, but it's, it's very hard. <laughs> Has kids changed that? Has kids changed to help that perspective? Oh, it totally. To. Yeah. I'll get in the middle of having an argument with my three-year-old and I'm like, I'm arguing with a three-year-old. And he can barely speak a co- coherent sentence. <laughs> like, maybe I should try getting on his level and not act like such a douche. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's parenting one-on-one. Try not to act like a douche. So Pretty much and apologize frequently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good too. That's a good, yeah, that's a good adult skill we all learn. So from, uh, and we, you and I, we're going to, let's talk, let's dive into nineties rock. You come and, and, and so, here, and, it, and the other thing too, is like, here's, you know, you, you, it doesn't sound like you have an, a super strict upbringing, but one like me restricted, like, I, you know, I've never seen top gun because there's open mouth kissing in it. Um, <laughs> there's that, but you know, your dad at the same time though, is slipping you beach boys records. That's a, that's an interesting dichotomy too. That's very true. Uh, yeah. He was, he was all about music. So he was, he definitely helped me have uh, sparked my love for for all the music I was into in the 80s and 90s. And I think it's all kind of music is so spiritual just by its nature. It doesn't always have to be shining back up to God for me to work to be a have a spiritual connotation to it. And I, you know, I I said I always say I I attended the Church of Bono uh, most of my life because that that yep. for a time was my was my church. It was my spiritual nourishment for better or worse. Uh, and I was getting more realistic uh, comfort there, um, and, and you know, and I'm not casting stones at the organized church uh, with a capital C, but it is kind yeah. of difficult. Um, but from there, you emerge, uh, uh, you know, frosted tips and all, uh, <laughs> and I imagine, you know, this playing in a ska band from there. Where do you go? Where do you take your music from there? Um, from there, the band that I was in uh, broke up, and. Um, I was just playing in local bands for a couple of years in the area, just playing drums. I start, I got back onto drums after that band broke up, nice. um, just playing in any band that I could be. in. I think I was in like 10 bands at one point, like over the course of like a year, just insane. <laughs> but that's great because you're learning different, not just instruments and how to play, but different styles, different working relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like a little rock. Star yeah, I was just obsessed with, that was my drug yeah. of choice. 
was just playing music as often as humanly possible. That's awesome. In the nineties too, coming out of that, you know, uh, it was amazing. There was two, we played two shows, I think every weekend for probably three years in a row. I was gone every weekend from Friday until Sunday morning. Just and, playing concerts. And that's what you have to do for anything, any line of work. And, you know, I think it's, forgotten um and i struggled like stand up back in the day when i was doing it so i got i didn't go out two three seven nights a week like a lot of my friends and mm. that's probably why it suffered you gotta you gotta kind of commit if that's what you want to do we owe you know, rock rock and roll history we yeah. know the, the beatles go to hamburg and play you know 22 shows a night in a sweaty yep. box of a theater so you probably you probably really formed yourself during that time oh definitely it, that it's, it was my obsession it still is my obsession but yeah. yeah, that definitely just set me on my path. That 90s era, man. Let's talk 90s rock. I I yes. could talk all day. My listeners probably get tired <laughs> of it. On my Patreon page, I do my monthly playlist, and I share it with them and, and do a little radio show uh, private within the Patreon audience. And oh, I, nice. 80% of it's probably... And here's another song from the 90s you don't remember. Um <laughs> What about like that Jackie era, Tom. man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what about that era, man? I, I'm telling you, I, I know it's the one. I, my friend Jay, he grew up. He's about ten years older than me, so the '80s mm-hmm. were to him what, what the '90s are to me. But he also appreciates yeah. all. What, 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 what was the appeal of that era to you? And still now, twenty plus thirty years later, it was just when Nirvana broke out that mm-hmm. just changed everything because everything was hair metal up until then. Right. Which I do like hair metal still. I I nice. love um, Motley Crue. Yeah. And some Def Leppard songs still, but yeah. How, that, how, dare, you, how dare you shout at the devil, Jared? <laughs> I'm like, they could be shouting angrily, Grandma. Yeah. They're <laughs> not, might, they're they not with him. him. They're not with him. They're <laughs> shouting at him. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when Nirvana broke out, that just, it just changed everything. It, mm-hmm. No one had ever heard anything like that before. Because it was like, it was a mixture, it felt like it was a mixture of like punk and hardcore kind of at the same time but it was still something different and then um stone temple pilots i like them mm-hmm. a lot allison chains sound garden like all those bands just they just didn't sound like anything yeah yeah that that's but, what's forgotten over time you know when you look back at these different eras uh, you know talking about how the 80s music might be downplayed because of certain sounds or styles yeah they got feathered mm-hmm. hair and and suit you know, sport coats that are sequenced, um, or the hair metal, even the hair metal bands, even I have a tendency to be like, okay, LA rats. Um, but, uh, or LA, yeah, a rat in LA, right. Um, yeah. Striper. Uh, striper. Yeah. There you go. I had some striper listens in my day. Um, I got to see them play live before and it was amazing. I bet you did. I bet. And, 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 and striper gets mentioned a lot. I think a lot more people like them uh, than they care to admit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's easy to forget. And I love going back to those times where, yeah, 92, 93 is what I really remember. Like, it just, you could yeah. kind of hear Nirvana playing in the hallways. Yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah. And I just remember my, my friend across the street that I used to skateboard with all the time, he had his parents, uh, he had like a massive record collection his parents handed down from him. Mm. And we used to go in his room and just listen to records all day long. And that's how I learned how to play guitar was at his house. Um, right. I think the first song I learned how to play guitar was actually uh, Come As You Are from Nirvana. Wow. Nice. And then transitioned into Siamese Dream, Smashing Pumpkins, learned right. all those songs after that. So 
were you, is it fair to say you were, a lot of these are the harder, uh, grungier, the term of the day, uh, American based bands. I always want kind of went across the pond, had my, my, uh, Brit pop, uh, obsession, uh, big Oasis fans. I definitely like know. that stuff too. You do. So yeah, I definitely mean, love Oasis. See, this is why we're friends. are going to be friends for life and forever and ever. Amen. Um, exactly. It, you ever listen to dubs <laughs> to, to, to what? Did you ever listen to the band Dubs from Manchester? Yes, a little bit. Yes, 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 yes. Because I used That's to another I, great. Yeah, I used to get Q Magazine, and I'd be re- reading the list of these. Like, what are these bands? I got to seek them out, and I'd have to go find like imported mm-hmm. B sides for a lot of those oh, bands. Yeah. Ocean color it was so scene. Much fun looking up music back then. It was so much fun to like search down stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's something romantic, and I love the I love that I can go on Spotify and and take a nostalgia walk. I'm I'm definitely not complaining oh, about yeah. technology, but there, I mean, my 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 friend Jay and I, you know, Jay Jay was on a lot of the earlier episodes, Knapsack Files, and and we keep trying to uh, coordinate to to hook up again on on Music Talk. We would mm-hmm. schedule friend trips. We would get together and uh, we would go to record shops and just yeah. spend a day tracking yeah. down stuff and oh i heard i read i read in q magazine that, you know, there's this band and i got the panics i gotta check it out and that, yeah. that was part of that fun of that era too it was so much fun i i used to be that my big thing was to look at the thank you list on all the bands albums and find all the bands that they thanked and then i'd make a list on a paper and go to the store and just look for every one of those bands and just buy it immediately that's <laughs> amazing because Oasis used to have it. There was a lot of bands they would thank, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Verve. I read the you know Cast No Shadow was dedicated to Richard yep. Ashcroft. So yeah, uh, yeah it was like you trace it. Yeah, oh god, Cast No Shadow, and I love the Verve too. Um, so you're well rounded, yep. man. Yeah, I, I fought against some. It was weird. I, I fought against some of the American grunge until I got into radio, and I even mm-hmm. didn't like it as much then. And then now when I hear it, I'm immediately like, ah, oh, bullet with butterfly wings. <laughs> just yeah, I was. I was kind of similar. I didn't appreciate it when I had it. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so obsessed with it now because it's gone. And I, I want to like hold on to my, that part of my childhood still. Yeah. It's, yeah. The music's ingrained in, in, in the brain. Um, just all the sounds in each year. And that, that, that I, I think 93 to 98, um, mm-hmm. I think by 99, it started to change a little bit. And I want to ask your opinion yeah. on that, but like 93 to 98 was that range. And even by 98, Things are starting to change. 96, I read a great article. I've talked about it before, I think, on my uh, Patreon show. Uh, I think Spin wrote an article that, um, I remember Spin, uh, 96, oh, yeah. uh, 1996 was like the last great year of rock and roll as we knew it. Um, and and not, not that great music hasn't come out before, but the end of just everything started to change from that point on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, everything started getting into more of the new metal stuff after... Yeah. I think 98, 99 hit. And that's when I was like, yeah, I'm out. You're out. You're <laughs> I, out. I don't like the stuff at all. <laughs> We're locked in. And then just how we get our music. And this is a great way to transition into that with, with before you and I just start naming nineties bands that we, you and I liked. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh, 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 actually I, this is one question I was going to ask you here. Uh, do you have off the top of your head? Do you think, can you in that era, your favorite, mm-hmm. most perfect radio single, from that era like not necessarily your favorite song but the one you're like that is to me everything about that 90s rock oh man i don't know if i can just name one true because i can think of like a bunch of them that stick out in my head um i think today by smashing pumpkins is probably my that's great one of the best that's a great such a that video i can just remember that video with the ice cream truck Mm -hmm. and him just driving through the desert 
and just picking up random people that have paint all over them. Like yeah. it made no sense, but it it's just perfect. That's a great answer because you're yeah, the videos. I always go to Jeff Buckley's uh, The Last Goodbye uh, um, uh, because it's it's like I it was a, it's an emotional song. It's it's a sad mm-hmm. song. It's a breakup song. But I knew guys who were when I worked in security were these big tough metalhead you know Metallica dudes, and I'd like yeah. catch them listening to it on a playlist, and they're like, "Oh, it's like that's like that's like my favorite song," and I just yeah. think it captured everything of that era. When I think of nineties, yeah. I think of Jeff Buckley. That's Correct. definitely a good call too. Um, so. As 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 someone who plays now and is releasing material now, a lot of what I say when the '90s were that last great era again wasn't that great music hasn't come out. There's a wonderful amount of of talented artists that have come out and yeah. and styles change. But more than anything, it's how we get the music, how we make the music, and you as an artist, mm-hmm. as a recording artist, getting stuff out there. Uh, you can do it much more DIY now. Um, that's not a bad thing, but it's changed a lot of things. How do you approach your career now? Yeah, it's totally different now. Um, before, back then, we used to record to tape. Right. So you had to know someone who had a tape machine and yeah. just book time at a studio and pay a lot of money probably. Um, a lot of money. Other than us. Like, we we were kind of lucky because we had a bunch of friends that... Because down in um, in Orlando, we have uh, Full Sail, right. which is an audio recording school. And so a ton of those graduates get out and they they usually can't find jobs right away. So... They just start recording people on the on the side, so we got hooked up with a lot of people. That's um, great. Good prices on recording from them. It's almost like um, going but, to a a student barber school. Get get a free haircut. Yeah, <laughs> get a cheap. Yeah, haircut. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. But um, now I I do all my stuff on on my computer at home. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't record at home is drums, and I, we still do that live, just because mm-hmm. it, there's just something about a, an actual live drum set that just it sounds amazing oh yeah that's rock and roll you have to have it yeah i think you have to have it oh i i'd even get pissed. look i love uh zeropa i love uh pop but i even get pissed at you too when they they put larry mullen on the sidelines for a track oh i know <laughs> i know i forgot about that too <laughs> yeah like what's larry mullen doing he's just sitting there watching come on get to let him pound some skins man um <laughs> When did so when you're you're in you did this band Rillion now and I and I'm always mm-hmm. saying that correctly right I say it like Trillion from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, yeah this much. this you you have a fully formed functional band now correct but it's also yes. for the most part has been you right yeah it was from I think I started writing stuff under that name in like 2007 or 2008 mm. um, and then put it on pause because I got into a, another band uh, called High Flight Society. Mm-hmm. and started touring nationally with them. So I kind of put my stuff on the side for a few years. Um, yeah. But then I picked it back up in 2010 when that band broke up, and I've been doing it ever since. Um, but actively, probably 2017 is when I was really active, like really started getting active with it. How, is, how has your music changed? Uh, you know, And I know it has to have changed, your life changed with kids, relationship, marriages, whatever. Uh, yeah. How, your songwriting, like what, what to you now is the perfect song that you want to write with all these ups and downs and wonderful thrills and, and challenges and 29 bands in your past. I'm sure <laughs> you, you wanting to write a, a rock song at 17 is now different now uh, at your age. Now, how, how do you approach your music now? Um, I think I'm more comfortable just writing what I, what I want to write now. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to try and have a goal in mind for the song. Like this song is going to be an upbeat rock song. It's going to mm-hmm. have a breakdown in the bridge 
And now I'm just like, whatever comes out, comes out. I'm, I'm not going to like set boundaries on myself anymore. Yeah. Cause I, it feels more natural now. Like it didn't, I always go back and listen to my old songs and I'm always like, yeah, it's just something's not there. Like something's missing. And I think it's because I was always trying to shoot for a certain type of song mm. rather than just let myself like whatever comes out, comes out. That That's similar in a way to like screenwriting or, 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 or just narrative writing of just like, sometimes you get lost in what is the next plot point I need to have versus where these yeah, exactly. characters are going. Um, yeah. Are you, are you mostly a confessional songwriter? Obviously, you know, having listened to your stuff, uh, I, I can sense that, but you're also, you know, you, you, do you have any kind of barriers, any kind of protective uh, shell around your music or is it all just you in the raw? Um, it's mainly just me. Um, but since I've, now I have, other band members mm-hmm. it's it's basically a regular functioning band yeah um it still is my my thing and i'm still like the, the owner of it all but mm-hmm. um i want it to feel more like a real band and it's, yeah. it's been it's been so much fun having other people involved because they have really great ideas and sometimes they come up with something and i'm like i would have never come up with that but it, it works perfect for the song mm-hmm. um so that's been i've been having them come in and write more with me so it's it's kind of changing and evolving, like just over yeah. the past couple of months. But it's it's really fun. How, how do you write? Uh, uh, this is great creative stuff for a lot of people listening out there who are trying to get into uh, any kind of creative field. Uh, you know, uh, you 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 have a home life, you have kids, you have all these things, and then you, at some point your release, your 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 escape might be to go to the studio. But the uh, you know, I know you're recording stuff for for new material uh, coming on twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Do you? when it becomes a job, when, when, whether it, whether it's your only source of income or not, whether this be, this is your thing. Um, how do you work through, because it's easy for me. I, I'll tell you, Jared, it's easy for me to look at you and go, man, you get to go to a studio and lay down some tracks. Just like people say to me, wow, you get to go cover star Wars. And there's days I don't want to do that. And there's days you probably yeah. don't want to do that, but you still in a creative field, you got to find that drive. Uh, where do you find it in the studio? Or is it just, you hear a sound and you're like, game on, we're doing this. And I think when I get, I get writer's block a whole lot, which is why it takes me forever to release music because it takes me forever to write lyrics for songs mm. because I'm not a lyricist at all. Right. Um, so I have to, I have to listen to certain things that just kind of that gets me in an inspirational mood. Um, but sometimes it just doesn't happen at all. And mm. I just go like weeks without writing anything. Um, but then all of a sudden an idea, I'll hum an idea in my head. And then 20 minutes later, I, I'll have a whole garage band demo done and the whole song's done. But then that'll happen like once every year, maybe. Wow. So it's just, it's different every day, I think. I think you just have to try and find some kind of way to snap yourself back into the, the creativity or creative mode. I think there's something great you just said there where it's not the same every day. And for those, no. yeah, for those out there writing or filmmaking or editing or, uh, you know, trying something in, in, in a more of a creative side, it's, mm-hmm. I've, I found that no, I, every screenplay I've written, I got there in a different way. There is no magic formula. Mm-hmm. You have to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely noticed that a lot with the, I was in the band high fly society for mm-hmm. about three years and, we were signed to a record label in Nashville. And so we were in Nashville once, like probably once a week mm. for a long, well, probably like six or seven months straight where we recorded just mm. probably like, I think like 50 or 60 demos in that time period. Mm. And so that's where I really started trying to like figure out ways to snap myself into the creativity because mm. 
there were some days where we were writing and we were with these songwriters in Nashville and I was just like, I have nothing. <laughs> and these guys have way more than I do. So <laughs> just going to sit back and wait. <laughs> yeah. But you, you feel, you know, we, we always, I think creatives, uh, and I think, I think adults, I think adults in general, we always feel like we're faking it. That's the big secret. No one knows what we're doing. We're faking it until something hits. Oh, and oh my God. Yeah. Looking around going, I can't, I shouldn't be playing this guitar. Everyone's here. Everyone here's better. Oh yeah, I feel like that every day when I'm doing stuff out live. Um, mm. We played with uh, three bands last week, and mm. and just every band was so great. And I was just like, these guys are like 20 years younger than me, ah. and they're way better than I am. Uh, that's that's always a, that's always a fun turn. I, I you know I, I see yeah. I see it now where. I was the young 20 year old DJ taking the morning show gig from the 40 year olds. And now here I am in my early forties watching these uh, <laughs> young hosts getting all these jobs. I can't get anymore. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm going to go to my home studio and do it on my own here, which is, it's just, you, you, you innovate or die as they say. Um, yeah, you have to. You've done, uh, you've done uh, some uh, star Wars related songs too, which isn't like you've done, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a weird owl parody of star wars but it, it's uh star wars is important to you and it's infused uh you know found its way and infused some of your music uh talk about the yeah. connection of the big myth and the and, and of star wars and and the and the, the, the modern uh myth that it is and, and and how it's got into the into the music uh it's just i still like when i anytime i still watch the movies with my kids like mm. i see in their eyes like how much wonder and how much excitement they get from it yeah. And just that alone in- inspires me to want to like, create stuff about yeah. it because it was such a huge part of my life. Like it pretty much got me through my childhood. Um, yeah. Like growing up, I, I got bullied a lot growing up and star Wars was one of the things that I like clung to. Like I always tried to imagine myself as like Luke Skywalker, mm. um, just taking out stormtroopers, which were the bullies in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's been such a huge part of my life ever since I was three years old when I saw Return of the Jedi in a theater. Like, that's where it started right there. And I'm still obsessed with it. And I'm 39, <laughs> I just turned 39 a few months ago. And I still geek out over it like I was a little kid, like every yeah. time I watch it. And and, um, and and having the added layer of children, like you said, that wonder. So it's, it's, it's yep. fun to watch through those eyes. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, I remember the first time I showed uh, my oldest son, Jude, the Empire Strikes Back, the part where um, mm. Darth Vader reveals that he's Luke's father. And his eyes got wide open, his mouth dropped, and he was just like speechless. <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> the best thing yeah. ever. And he, and he wasn't worried if Lucas had a plan or what the hot scoop was or if this. He got on Twitter and started he, cussing he, out yeah, everybody. Exactly. Just wonder. <laughs> Just wonder. I love that. Anyway, so I, yeah, I, just, I, yeah, but yeah, that's just stuff like that inspires me mm. to want to create things about it. And then I've recently just started trying to put myself into the character shoes in the, in the movies and in the books. And mm. that's kind of helped me come up with new lyrical material when I'm kind of out of stuff sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's great stuff. We shared it on Force Center, and you all can mm-hmm. check that. We'll tell everyone at the end of the show where to find all of that stuff there. Um, I think it's great. I think it, it makes sense that uh, Star Wars, you know, I, I don't think growing up we thought it would, ins- it, it, we knew we loved it, but it's inspired so many in so many different fields. And I love that you got comfort in something from being, you know, bullied as a kid. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's real power. I, I don't think... George necessarily designed it for that. He designed it for the kids, but 
uh, you know, that's powerful to find that comfort in something like that. Yeah, definitely. It affects everybody in different ways. So, but it's awesome. And speaking of affecting people in different ways, you got, uh, you got some great music out there, but you a big Weezer fan and you covered Weezer recently, mm-hmm. which is interesting because Rivers Cuomo covers so many other bands, uh, famously yeah. now. Uh, how does it feel to put to cover, uh, one of your favorite bands? Oh, it was amazing. I, I, I love doing cover songs, especially of older songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been obsessed with Weezer's since 1994 when the blue album came out. Like, yeah. Stadium so hit the hit the TV that one day, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Like, I've never heard anything like this. It sounds like the Beach Boys, but heavy. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like the Beach Boys mixed with Nirvana. That's, like, it was amazing. Well, that there you go. That's the DNA of what you love. Your dad gives you a Beach yeah. Boys record. You love Nirvana, and now you got it together. Wow, that's powerful. I love that. Exactly. And it made it even better once I figured out that Rivers was listening to Pet Sounds the whole time he was yep. recording the Blue album. So it makes total sense. Syncs up, syncs up. And you cut. Co- wait, wait, you have you just covered them the one time? Yes, um, we did. You gave your love to me softly. Yeah, which I think was a B side off of Pinkerton. Yes, but it was on the movie. It was on a soundtrack for Angus which is one of my favorite 90s movies. Angus, wow. We had that soundtrack in the radio station, probably because of this song. Oh, such a good soundtrack. It's got Green Day, Jar on it. It's got the Muffs on it. Like yes. So many great bands. Jar. What Do you remember what Jar song it was? I know we played that one. Often. I think the song was Jar, like J-A-R, J period, A period. Yes, it was. Holy moly. Gosh, that's a memory yeah. buried deep, deep, deep in <laughs> I'm going to start going into a set. So yeah, so that's how and people can pick that, uh, that Weezer cover up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's on our band camp. It's on iTunes and it's on Spotify and all the other places where you get music. And I know you got to go to a show soon. I'm keeping you from that, but uh, some final thoughts. Uh, that's no big deal. I'm only 20 minutes away. Hey man, you don't, you don't have LA traffic. That's great. God bless you. Well, Florida traffic ain't, ain't uh, easy. Florida traffic is pretty miserable. There you go. Uh, yeah, I remember getting stuck in some, Uber rides from the hotel to uh, Disney World and uh, covering Star Wars Celebration. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, um, on stage, I, I asked this question recently of my buddy Van William on uh, the mm-hmm. party podcast I did. Uh, um, when you're on stage, man, because, again, if you're like me, you grew up reading about bands, and I was a DJ, and, 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 and you know, there's this, there is a mythical romanticism to being on stage and playing music, and mm-hmm. there's realities to it, but... All that aside, what are the moments, and not, not, not necessarily talking about specific moments, but what are the moments in which you just kind of feel one with your music, your life, your career, the choice to do this, and it all feels right despite all the problems? I think on those times, those days where I just knock out a song in 10 minutes, like that's probably my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Like there's just sometimes when I play certain songs and I literally feel like my body literally feels high while I'm playing it. Yeah. And that happens very rarely, but when it does, it's just the coolest thing in the world. And I mean, mm. combine that with playing it live. It's just way better. Once you see the crowd interacting and, and like actually applauding when you're done instead of booing at you. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's spiritual. Again, it really is. It, it really truly is. is. It definitely is. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there should even be labels on some music. Like I really don't mm. understand why you even call Christian music, non-Christian music. Right. Like it's just music. Yeah. Just it's just music. I don't understand it. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, 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 uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, 
Uh, go back to you too. I tell you, that's one of, the, one of the most mad times I've been inside of a church. A pastor was talking about Psalm 40, which of course you two, you know, had that song 40, still has a song 40 and closed every concert in the eighties. And he just was like, ah, this is, this is a great song. I wish someone would to make a yeah. song out of this. And I'm just thinking it, the biggest band in the world did. Why are you shutting yourself off from that? <laughs> like, why are you shutting yourself? Bono closed every concert in the eighties on his knees, scre- uh, singing hallelujah. And you didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Go past yourself there. Um, that's uh, Jared. I, I, I really appreciate you sharing uh, your career uh, uh, insight and your journey. I, I, I do want to come back and talk nineties with you and maybe we'll do it in person one day over, a, over a nice frosty beverage. Um, oh, definitely. But as we sign out here, I, I want people to know you got new music coming out. You're, you're working, you got shows mm-hmm. and I want people to find you. So this is the time, man, this is where you stand on stage with a tambourine and say, here's my music. All right. I only have a triangle with me, so hopefully that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, we're on Bandcamp. That's our main, I guess, hub right now since we're on the website. But really, in, I think it's really in music.bandcamp.com. And then it's really in music on all social media. So it's, it's one L R I L I A N music. Nice. And uh, are you. Are you still worried? Because if people see me on the Schmodown with a Kenobi Records shirt, that came from your your other work, right? Is it still connected with that? Um, that was the record label that we were on for our EP and the music release. Got um, it. Okay, so now but yeah, new. I'm but I'm sending you another. I'm sending you our our own shirt nice. in the mail very soon. Okay, I like uh, that. I like that. I love I love shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Folks. I wear band shirts pretty much yeah. every day of the week. <laughs> I mean, you know what I miss? I'll tell you what I miss. I had a ton of nineties band promotional record label shirts. Um, nice. just t- and I floated some just disintegrated. I, you know, they weren't going to last. I had a yeah. Wilco shirt I wore all the time. It's, it's gone. It's, you know, but I just, I wish I kept some of them because they were vintage given to us by an A&R guy at a studio. And man, I know that's so cool. <laughs> they've been fun to wear. Uh, uh, the Knapsack, yeah, Files, uh, Knapsack Files fan, this is uh, Jared Griffin from the band Brilliant. I want you to check it out, especially if you're if you're like me and you like your 90s rock. That's not the only genre that play in, but that's the spirit that probably comes out. And uh, check them out. Show them some Knapsack Files love. We'd appreciate that. Jared, thanks so much for coming in, man. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. I'm I'm be able to come out anytime you want. Absolutely, we'll talk some Star Wars with you again over on Force Center. Uh, that oh, is yeah. uh, that is it for this week, my friends. We are out of here. You know where to find me at Ken Knapsack. Uh, you can follow me there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Also, don't forget KenNapsack.com. Information on shows, live appearances, and my book Why We Love Star Wars. It's all there. We'll see you next time on the Knapsack Files. Hey.